Welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McMelty. I am joined by one of your other hosts, Jason Snell. Jason, how are you? Uh, they're good, Scott. Uh, good no. Abend. Oh no, my universal <laughs> oh, translator's no. on the blink. I was speaking German there accidentally. Uh, mein Leben. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. We are here to discuss... Episode four of season two of Star Trek Discovery, which is called "And Obel for Sharon." And is Obel it Sharon or Sharon? for Sharon, and it is or or or, or Sharon or Sharon God. or there are lots of different ways because it's Greek because it's mythology. You see, and yes. Obel is a mm-hmm. is a uh, coin that a you coin. might use to pay uh, Sharon the ferryman across the river Styx into the That's underworld. Right. There's it's, much death. It's a good uh, Star Trek-y title, because it's a good Star it's, uh, title. it's weird and requires the knowledge <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of mythology. I like it. I like it. That's right. I like it, too. It might be a harbinger for enjoying this episode, but before we get into it, we must, we must visit everyone's favorite Vulcan Hello segment. That's the tea sponsor, right? The tea sponsor. That's right. That's it. And then the second favorite. (laughs) Tell us about some tea, Jason. NMTCO.com, the New Mexico Tea Company, is sponsoring uh, our season, and uh, they have made uh, Jippers, uh, which is a tea that is blue, and Mm -hmm. uh, it is if, if Data or Scotty looked at it, they would say... It's uh, it's it's blue, and that's all they would say. They wouldn't even know the name, but it's it's Jippers, and they also have many normal teas that are not Star Trek themed, and you sh- you can get a discount, and you can take our survey for our game show that we're gonna do. Just go to nmttea.co.com slash tv, and uh, you'll find all of it there. And that is the end of the sponsor segment. But Scott, I suspect that you were referring to. Mm our Spock segment. That's right. Spotting Spock, the search for Spock, wherein we answer the question, does Spock appear in this episode of Star Trek Discovery? The answer is no. Nope. Spock does not appear in this episode of Star Trek Discovery. There were four episodes in, and he's still not here. I, I am reminded that they showed everybody going back to work on this season of Discovery, and then announced Ethan Peck being cast as Spock mm-hmm. like a long time later. <laughs> and I think maybe that's a clue about it we did we did get a map with a sensor dot that is spock's shuttlecraft shuttlecraft yes um, is spock in it well that we'll that's true out. we don't we don't know it is the shuttlecraft he he stole apparently although again he if he didn't kill those people did he really steal the shuttlecraft mm, maybe it's all a setup it, uh, uh, but uh yeah we didn't we didn't see him we did however mm, get this information from a character we haven't seen before on Star Trek Discovery. That's right. It is uh, Rebecca Romaine as number ah, one. Number one. And I loved how, because, you know, speculation since the Menagerie it has been what number one's name is, and is her name number one? <laughs> is, does she have a regular name? There are, there are kind of outside canon names for her, but nothing in the canon. And I liked that he calls her number one because that was, a, that was a thing that was picked up, obviously, by Next Generation and Picard calls Riker number one. It's the, mm-hmm. what you call your first officer. But I really liked that in dialogue, um, 
Burnham says, I see your first officer came on board. And I was like, mm, we're not just Ooh. not going to say her name, are we? Okay. We are not. That's, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think it's, I think it's pretty fun, but we got to see the nice yellow uniform again. And, uh, we learned something very new about number one, which is, uh, she likes a burger. That she does. She loves a burger. She loves a shake. She likes Diablo sauce. Is that what she said? Uh, some, oh, kind of sauce. some kind of hot sauce. Yeah, that she puts on it. Yeah. <laughs> and we also learned that she is not above uh, detouring around Starfleet regulations. I believe is what Captain Pike says yeah. to find out some information about Spock because she thinks something's fishy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About this, and so she has a pad, which I enjoy. The pad is a. It looks very much like one of the pads they would have on the Enterprise when Captain Kirk is yeah, signing it looks like random Captain, paperwork. Captain Kirk's clipboard is it looks. Mm-hmm. Very much like that. We, we got lots of uh, other Enterprise references yes. too. At the very beginning, there was a kind of like USS Enterprise kind of thing where you're like, okay, USS Enterprise is set up here. But we get the the joke about uh, Chief uh, Louvier, the uh, the uh, engineer who loves his ship more than anyone, which is a great uh, Scotty joke. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I the one that made me really laugh and was set up last week, which is uh, among the problems that the Enterprise is having is the stupid holograms, which is the whole, whole question from last year is like, why don't why does Discovery have holograms and the Enterprise doesn't doesn't? And we see here that it's because Pike doesn't like the holograms. He already got ribbed by his pal over at the Starbase who was chasing Spock saying, oh, you're an old fashioned guy. And now he said, rip them out. They're creepy. They make everybody look like a ghost. And uh, it turns out that the engineer in number one had made a bet about whether he would say something about ghosts. And uh, she won the bet because he totally did. That was great. That's right. Thus explaining why there are no holograms on the Enterprise. That's right. Well done, Discovery. I thought well that done. they made it uh, look like ghosts. I like that, though. I thought that, was a, I thought that was a funny way to do it, that it's just this quirk about, uh, about Pike, and he doesn't like that, and that made me, that made me laugh. And then, yes, I, I love her getting a burger. Although, again, it is rudimentary early days of food replication, because she has to wait, like, a minute for the burger to come. So. And then the microwave bings, and she opens it. Yeah. Uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, yeah. I, this episode also, I feel like they, they planted many seeds for this episode to come, because, you know, we, yeah. we, we mostly seeds about... Saru, uh, because uh, what was it, last episode or two episodes we learned that uh, Saru knows 94 languages, mm-hmm. uh, which comes in quite handy in this episode. Uh, and in one of the short treks, we learned much about Saru. Uh, I forget the name of that short trek. Inner star or something no that Starlight. was the name of last week's episode oh, uh i don't know what the name of this episode the was third with favorite Saru. uh <laughs> segment that they have is jason and scott fail to remember things that happened in previous episodes <laughs> people it love is it the brightest star no you got it the brightest ah. star I knew it had star in it. So that was the one where they, we, we visit Saru's planet. We find out his backstory. Uh, and we find out he has a sister and he has yes. to leave and he can't return ever again. And there is uh, this culling uh, mm-hmm. of, of the Kelpians uh, by the other race that has their hovering murder cylinders, I believe we called it. Yes. Um, where they, they when, they're, when it's time. And I, I think at the time we speculated about what a, what a, uh, a ripoff this was, what a bad deal this is, where the Kelpians have basically been convinced to herd themselves into a pen where they are basically slaughtered or taken away or whatever it is by their predator species and that is all a setup for what happens at the end of this episode and i have to admit i was thinking about it um i was thinking about the whole way but i was also not entirely convinced that they 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 had me questioning myself enough 
until the last moment uh, that I thought that they they walked that line between basically are they going to kill Saru? Yes. Or is this or is this going to be a revelation that it basically his his entire civilization is a fraud? <laughs> Guess what? In the grand tradition of Star Trek, yeah. his entire civilization is a fraud. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if it was Captain Kirk, he would have done something like, "No, Saru, I'm not going to cut your things off, uh, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna figure we're gonna out figure what's going on." Out. Doctor McCoy mm-hmm. would be like, "You don't, nothing is going to happen." <laughs> and then uh then they would go and destroy all of kelpian society but instead it just sort of happens because he's it, i think i i am sure some people are going to roll their eyes at this whole like oh i'm dying well of course you're not dying and so i'm like i don't know i i haven't heard he's great it's a great character but you never mm-hmm. know maybe doug jones he was in the shape of water got a lot of oscar attention right. maybe he's sick of it maybe he doesn't need to be on a tv show anymore even though he's great at it but uh but no it's it is a uh a setup that I think works fairly well that leads to some interesting, very Star Trekky things, mm-hmm. which is this idea that this culture that he comes from is is a fraud, and now it has all of these ramifications because because he was the only kelpian and starfleet right so there's no of course they don't know about this nobody knows about this because the only people who experience that are the kelpians who have been basically fooled into thinking that this is how it goes and they're predators who probably were doing the fooling right Mm -hmm. and uh and so of course saru is the first kelpian to find out that this is all uh, a sham and uh that's fascinating and it and it leads saru who is already what maybe the best character on star trek discovery and now he has this whole other thing where he's like i'm not scared anymore i don't have my thread ganglia i've reached like a new level of of evolution this is like the next stage in the kelpian life cycle and nobody has seen it probably in you know thousands of years because of the way that they've been groomed by their predator species it's fascinating stuff plus he probably wants to like foment a revolution in violation <laughs> so. of general order one which is awesome because yeah break the prime directive uh overthrow the the hegemony go for it saru yeah, that 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 should be overthrown. That that's not cool, man. No. That's what I say. No, I don't think I don't think you should really have a prime directive uh, where there's a species with technology that's eating another species. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it seems doesn't wrong. Make any sense to me? <laughs> seems wrong. So I think that that's where they're going there. But but I don't know. Were you were you um, on the fence about whether they were going to kill Saru off or or or, or cheat or not? Because I was like, they they did it long enough that I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe they are. Maybe they <laughs> well, are killing what, him. This a long time where we it, saying it, goodbye. <laughs> exactly. It was. I was a roller coaster of. At first, I thought, well, they're not going to kill Saru. Come on. Uh, and then it was like, oh boy, they are spending a lot of time <laughs> right. With Saru dying and having a very touching scenes between Burnham and Saru, and it really feels like Saru's the whole gonna bridge die. crew stands up and watches yes. him go, and there's the swelling music, and it's like, oh no, he's dying. Which I think, right? Like t- modern TV shows know that the viewers are smart enough to know that a major character is not going to ke- get killed off. Perf- just in perfunctory fashion they're mm-hmm. going to have a like it's going to be a big moment and so the only way you can do the fake out now is you've got to fake out the big the moment big moment yeah and they did i will say uh my eyes got a little watery when yeah. uh saru was dying and burnham was saying you know you're my family after all these years i figured it out and saru was like yes uh now <laughs> go fetch my sister's uh, knife and kill me also also in the in the uh and there's a version of glare and care in here maybe he's requesting some glare and care uh back mm-hmm. reciprocal glare and 
care. Uh, but I, I like that Saru is kind enough not to mention uh, what is at the core of his relationship with Burnham, which is, you know, that time that you, uh, <laughs> you, you committed mutiny and got our captain killed and eaten by Klingons? We've overcome that yeah, now. But, <laughs> let's not dwell on bad things, Jason. <laughs> this is a touching moment. No, it's, I mean, that, that's how far we've come, Burnham. It's like, yeah, that's Saru, right. yeah, you didn't need to mention that. I think we all know that that's the, so he didn't mention it. It's good. It's good. They have a fraught, they have an interesting relationship, yeah. uh, which I think is great. And I, I, I think that that was, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it right now, Jason. I enjoyed this episode. Uh, I say thumbs up to this episode. Uh, it had a lot of stuff happening that I enjoyed. Uh, chief among them, the whole Saru dying and touching moments thing. Um, and also, uh, this once again felt like another, you know, and I hate, to say this but it felt like a star trek an episode of star trek because they there's a thing that they don't understand what's happening and they trying to communicate with it is it trying to kill us we need to get out of here uh it doesn't make any sense uh, and they had this little ethical quandary so i felt like it checked the boxes for me yeah i uh i liked it i didn't love it and i think the reason i didn't love it is um i mean i liked it better than last week where nothing happened mm-hmm. yes. um and it felt like a classic star trek episode in a in a way like the second episode did where they wanted it to be a little more standalone this is the mm-hmm. episode where there's a weird space ball that takes them and they <laughs> have to escape and then it turns out it's a dying space ball who is sad and lonely and wants to share its knowledge it just um, wants to talk that, that's all it wants to, you to learn just hear my story man but um i i it, my criticism of it is something I wrote down at one point, which is basically there is a lot going on in this episode. I feel like I'm impressed that all of these things keep happening and the the episode retains momentum, but it does feel a little bit like there's too many things happening at once. Like, uh, and and it can get a little distracting. So we have yes. we have Saru who's dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the red ball that captures them. They're they're trying to find Spock's shuttle, and then mm-hmm. meanwhile there's the whole Stamets <laughs> and Tilly and the mm-hmm. Blob and and uh, Reno all down in engineering with the with the fungus blob, and that's all going on. And then at several points like. Uh, Pike is going to check on stuff and Burnham's going to check on stuff. <laughs> and I kept around. thinking like it, it's about 40 minutes into the episode before they're standing on the bridge going, can we break away? Can we do this? Can we do that? And I thought, <laughs> have you not been trying this whole time because you've been visiting, <laughs> you know, Saru who's dying and, and, uh, and Stamets who's got a weird, you know, spore blob in the engineering room and, 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 and Burnham who's concerned about, I don't even know what, and number one, you know, took her hamburger with her or something. Like it's just, there's just a lot. I, I felt like it was, it was maybe a little overstuffed. I think they walked the line. Okay. But that's, that's, kind of my criticism is just like i felt like they had an extra an extra storyline and and i might have preferred it to be a little less manic and mm-hmm. uh take a little more time with what they've got then again i mean it's not the worst thing in the world to be it's action-packed after last week where nothing happened well, but I, I guess that's what i'm sort of saying is why did some of this not happen last week well that's what I, i'm thinking as well i wonder i don't really understand last week's episode was fine i am a bit perplexed why we had to visit the klingon empire again uh and i feel like especially if they have all this stuff that they stuffed in this episode it doesn't make much sense why we basically everything ground to a halt last week 
so that we could check on Laurel and uh, Ash uh, and what's happening on Kronos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really make any what sense. Unless on Kronos? I assume that the Klingons are going to pop up again later in some form. And if they don't, then the third episode makes even less sense. Yeah, I assume they will at some point, although I, I have definitely heard people theorize that maybe it was primarily focused on getting ash tyler out of there and with section 31 but um you know i can't believe that we're not going to have the klingons come back and there's going to be an issue with laurel and maybe the klingons are involved in like where some of the red bursts are or something right. i i, I they just, know about them yeah so they'll, they'll be back probably what but yeah it's just again uh I didn't hate last week's episode. It was just the pacing no. of the season is, is very strange where you have this kind of really slack episode where you're moving things around. And then you have this episode that is just completely packed wall to wall with stuff, even though the, the all the stuff was pretty good. It just felt like none of it had had any room to breathe. And, and it was all happening simultaneously, which, you know, I don't know. Again, every now and then with the comms down, like every now and then Pike is just leaving the bridge to go check on other people. And it seems <laughs> like should you, around. should you be doing that? But, um, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's go through. So there, we talked about Saru already, which I think is probably the most kind of, uh, emotional theme sure. in, or thread in this sure. episode. And his, uh, I mean, I guess what we should say about him is that, I mean, he just solved the problem when we talk about the, the big red ball, but yes, that, he's that's, important. that is that his, in addition to his death, uh, his story and the big red ball story are direct parallels of each other. And mm-hmm. he, he is the, you know, he solves its problem. And then in the end, it sort of solves his problem, uh, strangely. Um, and, and that's definitely the core of the episode. So it is it yes. is kind of about Saru and being, you know, wanting to share his story with Burnham because he's the first of his kind to leave. And he he's had all these experiences. And I thought that was all really touching that that mm-hmm. he's drawing a parallel between himself and the, you know, red murder ball that's out there <laughs> trying to kill them all. Um, it's not trying to kill yeah. them, it's killing them with knowledge, Jason. Yeah, it's, well, that's true. Their defenses, oh, the irony that their defenses were uh, the, the thing that were ki- that mm-hmm. was uh, killing them. That's right. So, yeah, number one uh, drops in, has a burger, leaves very quickly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I, I found, per- I thought she would stick around, but she didn't. Uh, and uh, they're off to find Spock. And they get pulled out of warp by a giant red murder ball, mm-hmm. as uh, Jason says, uh, and uh, which I think is the best scene in this episode. Uh, well, the funniest scene is then the, the universal translator malfunctions, uh, and uh, somebody starts speaking Klingon, and I think, oh no, <laughs> yeah, Burnham is like, why am I speaking Klingon? And then it turns out that people are speaking all the languages. I'm sure that somebody who is involved in the production of this episode is going to have a story about how many different languages they put in the episode in so mm-hmm. many different places. But it's funny, I. Definitely definitely noticed like spanish and italian and german and there are some alien languages in there too uh it was all uh it was all happening where where it's broken it's broken the universal translator which is not a thing we've seen before but the idea that now people can't understand each other because everything is being translated (laughs) into the wrong languages and so nobody you know welcome to the tower babel and and (laughs) it leads to that funny moment where they're like um Pike, all Pike can do is push the button on his chair and say, Saru? Because <laughs> <laughs> he speaks all the languages, right? He can right. come up and here he comes and up. And yeah. I like Saru. This is another glare and stare mo- uh, glare and care moment when he comes on and he's like, didn't anyone else bother to learn a language? <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Yeah. Uh, and he, he knows all the... And when Burnham says, oh, the Saru, the universal translator, is uh, you know mistranslating us, and he says, I have ears and eyes. 
Burnham. Uh, <laughs> yep. yep. Vix is exactly it. right. And when they set up the Universal Translator, because in that first scene, which they're oh, in yes. a briefing room, which is really nice. It's like that is Star Trek, right? Like briefing room, the officers are there. They're talking about what's going on. But Linus, the Saurian, who we saw in the elevator, um, you know, because they, they make reference that he had the cold and now Saru's come down with something. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a bad one, which I like just the just the everyday workplace kind of interchange. Yes. But he has a he has a mistranslation. He's like, yeah, the Universal Translator has problems with my clicks and pops sometime from his language, which I just thought was kind of funny, but it turns out that is planting the seed for just remember we have a, a universal translator. And I guess we should mention the lady with the headgear from oh, uh, she's back. the Enterprise is also back. Uh, I forget so, her name, but she's back. I don't know, but she she is back too. And uh, and they're going to go get Spock's shuttle. And that's kind of the background story because it ends up not being what happens in the episode. It's just sort of like there is, oh, we got to hurry up because we gotta, we're going to, we're going to, you know, our search for Spock must continue, which is, That's I got to say, almost exactly what I expected this whole season to be, which is mm-hmm. like, oh, we just got to get to Spock. Oh, a red murder ball stopped <laughs> us. So, ah, damn you, red murder ball. Yeah, which is 565 kilometers wide, 100,000 years old, laced with organic and inorganic matter and uh probably alive sort of and has a stasis field that is breaking the ship and uh breaking the universal translator which uh, they describe as a computer virus so we get all of those classic you're in you're in it you know you, mm-hmm. classic like let's build let's take this metaphor to its uh conclusion and make some antibodies for the uh, computer virus antibodies i okay. wrote down and then a sad face after <laughs> <laughs> i wrote down computer antibodies metaphors are great <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's like uh, writers just ask some computer person it's yeah. not a big deal <laughs> yeah i just i don't need aliens to infest a computer system with but i get what they're doing which is it's it's all it's really trying to do is uh, uh, glom onto the universal translator also um saru keeps seeing these ultraviolet bursts yes. and that ends up being this big revelation later that it's actually communicating which i caught i, I figured out immediately uh, so did like, I. I was like That's, come on, come on. Uh, but more than that like ultraviolet is just outside of human like the enterprises or uh, sorry the discoveries uh, i'm still thinking about number one's hamburger i, I oh, apologize man. uh the uh the discoveries sensors are not noticing not the up. ultraviolet yes. burst it's just it's just right there it's not in an esoteric <laughs> band of subspace it's like literally just mm-hmm. ultraviolet light are you not and so Saru has to be like now show the ultraviolet light right. i was like, like come on Come on. You could yeah. say maybe the sensors are overloaded, but then Saru's like, show the ultraviolet light, and then, then it's yeah. there, and, and it's like, okay. And people. that's oh, an example man. of something that's like, that's just too much. Just take it out. Like, just take it out. Of, it, it, that is a complication in this episode, where he's mm-hmm. seeing flashes, and that it turns out to be something. It's totally unnecessary. Is not necessary for the resolution of the plot. Simplify no. it a little bit, because that was like not great and just more junk in in the episode. So yeah, I, I would have taken that out. They could have just stuck with the the virus is somehow communicating, and then Saru says, "Oh, of course," and sees some pattern in yeah. the virus or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't need to see what it is. Yeah, absolutely. It is a little silly, but they figure out that yes, this murder ball is trying to communicate with us. Uh, and what is it communicating, Jason? But that it is dying, and it yeah. wants to give them the information that it has learned over a hundred thousand years, so that it is not forgotten. Yeah, this is much like Saru's Saru. moment of clarity where he realizes, ah. I am I am saying goodbye, uh, and it yeah. is saying goodbye, and mm-hmm. I want to preserve my history, and it wants to preserve its history, which is, you know, it's a little bit on the nose, alien red murder ball. Like, <laughs> I'm dying here. You do your own thing. Don't just do my thing. But That's right. This is my thing. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice little moment where, where, they're, uh, where he has that 
realization. And that's always fun to see in TV where characters figure something out and they're like, aha, I've got it. Yeah. And that that leads to another moment where they rush up to the bridge and they're like, oh, we need to lower our shields because it's just trying to talk to us. And Captain Pike is like, I don't think so. What if we lock our photon torpedoes on it and blow it and up blow it instead? Up. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, seems reasonable. Uh, but then this is when Burnham says, no, it's a, a living thing that's trying to communicate with us. And this f- clearly falls within the Discovery's original mission as a science vessel. Uh, and I thought, woohoo. Shout out to the science vessels. Uh, yeah. And, and Pike also, is like... Also like Starfleet, okay. seek out new life and new civilizations and all of that. And I like that. I like the conundrum because I was sitting here thinking, well, being a captain is hard, right? Like being a captain mm-hmm. is hard. Pike has to sit there and decide, okay, I could just blow it up or, but I might be blowing up this this incredible like information gathered over many years so mm-hmm. i have to decide do i risk my entire ship for the possible expansion of knowledge and um you know that is sort of starfleet's thing so he does do it but i appreciated that the way it was set up it was a difficult decision and i also liked that he immediately had plan b right which is if yes. this doesn't work we're going to eject the warp core and blow it up and and uh, basically curl up in a ball and hope we don't die which that's what you have to do when you're yeah. a captain. You need to pl- plan A and plan B. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Captain Pike has got it covered. Uh, well, I will tell you, friends who are listening, the Discovery does not blow up and no. everyone does not die. So uh, there will be an episode five. Uh, and it turns out that it, Saru and uh, Burnham were right. And it was just trying to download all of its information into their computer banks, uh, which it does very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, well, it's, you know, it's massive and, uh, and just and very old. advanced that way. But, but yeah, that it's going to keep Federation historians busy for a hundred years and it's going to get a lot more information about what's going on in the galaxy. And that's, uh, that's fun. Apparently the sphere was like a, you know, an observer or a, I don't know what, because it's got like history of various races having wars yeah, and things like that. Out. So it's and obviously luckily, been paying attention. Well, and the other tension that is throughout the episode that I think they don't really make all that well uh, into that much of attention is that as this is happening, Spock's shuttle is going out of sensor range. So Pike is yeah. like, ah, well, I hope you're happy with this thousand, 100,000 years of knowledge, Burnham, because now we can't find Spock. Uh, and Burnham says, well, actually, Captain, uh, the red murder ball was also a big sensor array, I guess. And uh, yeah. I found Spock's shuttle in the data so we can go find it again. I, w- I would say this is another part of this episode that I felt was <laughs> unnecessary and could have been like, is is the red murder ball um, heating up to the point where it's going to explode, explode and destroy you? Not enough of a ticking, <laughs> like literally ticking time bomb time. Yeah. that you, you have to one. have you have to have Spock also going out of range. It just feels like it was uh, to remind us that Spock was important or something, which mm-hmm. we all already know. So it, again, it felt like uh, just over egging the pudding here is not necessary. <laughs> we get we get it. You don't need two different countdown threat things. So that was it. It did seem a bit much, and it didn't it didn't work for me that they're like, oh, he's just about out of range now. Yeah, you know. Oh, also, no. there's a big red murder ball that's going to blow up, so we that's should right. worry about that. And couldn't they, even if he got out of range, couldn't they just go to his last location yeah, and, and then, then scan, scan from there? And then, you know, unless he just made a like hard left turn or something, yeah, they're going to be able to figure it out. I don't know. Um, uh, I guess that leaves us with the, the adventures in the, engineering, right? That yes. was our other... Uh, that our Where Tilly other and Stamets are hanging out, having successfully extricated the, the fungal symbiote that mm-hmm. uh, is, was 
uh, a ghost in uh, previous episodes of May, Tilly's childhood friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we found out that it is now uh, kind of chilling in the little navigation well, chamber. Yeah, a little sport well, chamber. Yeah, and Tilly and Stamets are trying to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, and Tignatero as Reno comes by, and mm-hmm. um, every time she appears in Star Trek, I'm going to just write a note to myself that says, "Hey, it's Tignatero," because <laughs> I think it's really funny. Um, and they get in a, they get in an argument about sort of traditional warp engineering versus the, you know she calls him the guy who flies around the galaxy on on mushrooms, and he gives this ecological argument about how many planets have been ruined by dilithium mining, uh, mm-hmm. which is all you know. They're, they're, they've got their different opposing views. This turns out to be set up for the thing that I think people speculate were speculating about all last year, which is how is it that we have not seen the spore drive in any future Star Trek? And we get mm-hmm. our answer here eventually, which is that it is revealed that the spore drive is apparently destroying uh, the lives or civilization or ecology or something of yes. the life forms that live in the mycelial network. That by popping in and out, they're actually doing damage. And so it turns out, haha, Stamets, do you know how many planets have been ruined by your mushrooms, mm-hmm. not just dilithium mining? So that, that, yes. that's, that's a nice uh, twist that we end up with. Yeah. And, and to get there, we uh, have Tilly uh, get, uh, well, there's like a, it's unclear to me why there's an overload. And I guess because the stasis shield is causing electricity. Yeah, the, the red murder places. ball causes lots of complications to this subplot, basically. Yes, and then it, just so that the it, they basically have it trapped in the spore chamber, it escapes and then gloms back onto Tilly, uh, and then uh, they try to they have to figure out how to talk to it, which involves uh, drilling a hole in Tilly's head. Yeah, uh, we learned that Tilly's favorite song is "Space Oddity" by David Bowie, mm-hmm. which uh, they sing briefly to make her feel better, and then they stop, and he drills a hole in her head, which I thought was like, <laughs> does she feel better now? I don't think she does because. She no. stopped singing, and then you drilled a little hole in her head and popped a little thing on there. Um, I feel like she, you could have; they should have kept singing as he was drilling the hole. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> to let us know that she's okay. But, uh, but they, they, they did, did not. <laughs> no. And that, that is so they could pop the little thing in her head, so that then they could talk to May instead of Tilly, letting May use Tilly's body to communicate, which yeah. was pretty creepy. Uh, if uh, I do say so myself, yeah, and I like that she finally gets to confront Stamets and say that you're mm-hmm. you're destroying us and you're ruining it all, man. You know, you're this destructive alien presence. He's like, oh, we'll take care of you. We'll we'll help you fight it. And they're like, no, 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 it's you. Which is <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, he feels bad about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they then it it kind of freaks out uh, and envelops Tilly right and in like a cocoon, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they get her out pretty quickly. And uh, I forget what happens. All like, too convenient they get her out of there well and then and then the the room is full of uh of uh, oh, spores right. and it turns out that they're that the the blob drugged. is drugging them and mm-hmm. by the time um stamets has reno hit him to clear his mind enough to inject them with uh basically an antitoxin uh the the spore blob has has swallowed tilly whole and <sighs> transported her. her elsewhere perhaps mm. into the mycelial network itself she's gone and that's how uh that's how the episode ends is on this right. uh this weird kind of cliffhanger of tilly being Tilling gone being. with that that uh that blob down and and again it's one of those things where i feel like i i get where this is going because they in the next episode they're going to have uh, we're going to have the search for Tilly mm-hmm. so it's like a little parenthetical inside of our Spock segment will be our Tilly That's segment right. but this 
this whole subplot felt just a little bit out of tune with the rest of the episode. This is, I think, the root of me saying I think too many things are going on. And mm-hmm. I thought for this episode that we're always going to remember is the episode where Saru almost dies. Um, for it to end with like the great Tilly Blob mystery also seemed very weird to me. So I don't yeah. know. It, it it it's like. Maybe this is the challenge of doing standalone stories along with the ongoing storyline is that they told their standalone story more or less and then they have to get us hooked for the next for the next episode. But I just I didn't like that part. I'm sounding way more negative about this episode than I actually feel about it. It's just like it it seems unnecessary, like it could have been much better if it had been just if they had just bitten off a little bit less. But they 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 uh, Mm -hmm. and and the Stamets Tilly blob storyline to me feels like the one that's the most out of place i don't know yeah i wonder if they could have i i don't write tv shows uh so i'm no i I don't know but i wonder if they could have done the tilly plot in the klingon episode the previous and ended with her missing and then that's the countdown clock that they are trying to figure out as they are stuck in stasis as opposed to oh no spock's shuttlecraft is getting a little further out yeah you gotta wonder if they thought that or maybe that was originally a plan and then they moved it around but it's just you know it just seems a little a little uh weird and not quite harmonious with the rest of the episode, which is kind of, of, you know, it's kind of about the same kind of stuff. And then there's this extra plot. And that's right. also what the episode ends on is the cliffhanger. I don't know. It's, it's fine. I like, I like Tilly. Um, there's a moment early on that made me laugh where she says, uh, where she admits, opens up and admits that she was a, a weird kid. And I was waiting for somebody to say, <laughs> not like now, Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> no, they yeah. don't do that. Yeah. But, and, and I, I do think it's interesting. Like they're trying to address, we've talked about this before this season, address a bunch of the weird things that they kind of inherited from the premise of the show. And the spore drive is one of them. So mm-hmm. this storyline is in part trying to, I think, establish that, um, you know, they can't use the spore drive anymore. And that, uh, 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 Reno being there is in part to kind of get the show to feel a little more um, like a Star Trek show where there's kind of a traditional engineer who knows how to use gum to <laughs> connect things. And <laughs> I do love that Tilly just had a bunch of gum there. Yeah, that was that was the part of that joke that was really funny. It's like you have gum, and she's like, "Grape." <laughs> <laughs> and then she tries to give to Stamets, and she's like, "No, no, never mind." Uh, but but uh, you know, they're, so they're trying to creatively uh, address. And I felt this way about the Klingons. I don't love seeing them again, but like that they were trying to like fix what they you know what were the issues in the first season. And here it's the with the spore drive kind of trying to make it mm-hmm. you know less of uh, you know the, the, it's it's a central storyline right now, but it's also trying to kind of like eventually uncouple from it and say this is why we aren't going to use it anymore and we also have this more traditional Starfleet engineer character here now mm-hmm. uh, you know it's fascinating to see because they got to do it and they can't just have an episode at the beginning of the season where they're like well uh, those people are gone and these new people are here and there's no more spore drive and like they can't do that so they're, they're trying to build it into the storyline of the season but I can see what they're doing which is they're also trying to like fix some of the stuff that was not quite right from the first season that they've that they're stuck with until they fix it and then, and, and Tignataro's character Reno mentions that the chief engineer has sent her there, and I don't know if the chief engineer has even been referenced in previous episodes. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I thought there's... I thought that Stamets was the chief engineer. That's what I did too, and I was like, "Well, Stamets sent you there," but it was clear that there's someone else who's the chief engineer. Yeah, so I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe we'll see them in a future yeah, episode. Or maybe, maybe she's going to be the chief engineer now. Maybe it's all just a big reveal. I was the chief engineer all along. <laughs> what? Yeah. Maybe also, it's the Starfleet I... chief engineer. It was like, ah, you got to get yes. these people in shape. They're flying on mushrooms. It's ridiculous. Take, <laughs> whip those people into shape in there. That's right. Get that dilithium chamber reconfigured. Yeah, exactly. Dang it. Uh, yeah, and I think that uh, we should talk about tea now, Jason, because I'm right. thirsty. Mm. Uh, tea is great. I have tea every morning. I have a, an English breakfast or an Irish breakfast. That's, that's what I like. I have it in the morning with a little bit of honey. My wife has it with oh. milk instead. Are but you I, against milk and tea? I, uh, I like milk and tea just fine, but I prefer, I, I like my honey. I like the tea with honey. That's my favorite, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, I will sometimes have it with milk and it, that's, that's very nice too. If I'm, if I have to share, if we're sharing, <laughs> sharing is good. Sharing, sharing is caring. Is, sharing is caring. Jason. Um, then we will just get it with tea, with uh, milk and, uh, I will have, uh, the, what my, what my lovely wife prefers and because she doesn't want my tea with honey in it so I, i'll i'll take the bullet there could you put milk and honey in tea or is that i, I just have not? um well i am in california so it is some say the land of milk and honey mm, and right. so so i think about that sometimes when i put milk and honey in my tea i have done that and it's very nice uh, and my daughter drinks tea now and she drinks it with sugar way too much sugar and milk Ooh. as well so the, the, what i'm saying is there are lots of ways to drink tea uh, mm-hmm. and then you can buy your tea at nmtco.com slash tv the New Mexico Tea Company, and they are our sponsor. And uh, take the survey and get a get a deal when you go there. And I order the big package from them, big package of loose tea, of, oh. the, of the black tea. And then uh, I have my little tea robot that I use to make tea every morning. And uh, that's right. it's great. The New Mexico Tea Company has the loosest of teas. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're making that claim, but it is. You can get you know loose tea not in the bag, and then I just scoop it in a little basket. That anyway, it's it's there are lots I'm of ways to help to them make with tea. some marketing taglines that yeah, they can use. That's not the best. I, I think we'll we'll come back to it. We'll come back. To it. <laughs> we're still we're still working on that. Uh, and I will say I can't promise anything, uh, listeners. But I do know that occasionally when you order some tea from the New Mexico Tea Company, you may it may arrive with a Star Trek themed package. Uh, it's so possible. I, can, I cannot guarantee unless you buy the Jipper. They're, they're uh, little. Uh, they're just little Easter eggs, basically, because they mm-hmm. know that you came from our podcast. They they try to they try to take care of you because they know you came from a Star Trek podcast. That's right. So, but we're we're not making any guarantees. But the only one guarantee that we will make is that you will enjoy the tea that you've bought. I, I make no such guarantee. People are <laughs> they, they, you might be an awful person who doesn't like tea. Then why are you buying tea? But uh, you uh, should you should enjoy us. it. I enjoy it. Yes, that's true. That's true. Excellent. Excellent. Anyway, thank you to the New Mexico Tea Company for sponsoring. That's us. right. And now we will find out, will uh, number one return next week? Uh, will we see Spock? What happened know. to that hamburger? Do we have any? <laughs> do we have, is, is there, we, we had the conspiracy phaser last time. I have no new conspiracy items this time. I have none either. Well, I, I still am thinking my one, I'll fire the conspiracy phaser. Okay, phaser. here we go. Pew, pew. Uh, and I think it's possible, although it seems likely, that uh, your explanation that the Stamets is ruining the mycelial network, and that's why the spore drive is no longer kosher, uh, is why they're there. I do think it's also possible that they could be referring to what the Mirror Universe folks were doing mm. in the mycelial network, uh, and that may come up, and that, maybe that they'll see some... It could be, because we know the Mirror Stamets was very bad, and yes. was using the mycelial network, too, I think. Wasn't he? Uh, so, he yeah. was, and he was uh, he was also kind of hanging out in there. So I wonder if we will see him show up when they're looking for Tilly. Hmm. 
I mean, anything's possible because that we know that there are ghosts in there. Well, presumably Dr. Culber will show up. Oh, um, yes. In the mycelial network, too, because that's that's who do we know who is a ghost in the mycelial network? It's 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 Culber. But there may be yes. other people, too. Mira Stamets, Mira Lorca. Who knows? Oh, I think I, my prediction is next week's episode is going to be trippy, man. Oh, right, right. Yes, I think that you're probably right. That <laughs> trippier than when their eyes get, got all weird and stuff and they were... Yes. In, in Twice their, as trippy. In their drug trip. Yeah, I think you're probably right because we're going to be in, in through the rabbit hole in, in mycelia land next week. Mm-hmm. Fungus. I'm going to say... I'm going to go out on a limb, Scott. I'm going to do something uh, yeah. just on the spur of the moment here, which Careful. is I'm going to predict... That next week, at mm-hmm. the end of the episode, <gasps> they're going to find Spock. What? And that'll be the cliffhanger. And oh. that'll allow them to do the promo for the following week that is like, ha Spock is here. <laughs> because I was, I was thinking about this, like, how do they reveal Spock since it's obviously not happened yet? And I think the answer is they've got, they, they probably are going to want to do a surprise, oh, we found him cliffhanger, because mm-hmm. um, that way you get a little bit of the surprise and then you also get the promotion of right. next week. Because they're not going to not make a big deal out of Spock's first episode. So they're going to have, I, I think Spock is going to appear at the end, right they will we will finally be able to say yes we found spock but uh i think it's going to be one of those like you know we see him and maybe he starts to talk or he says one thing or whatever and then it's the credits and then and then we have to wait a week that's going to be my prediction and i think maybe next week maybe because that would mean episode six would be his first episode i might be a week premature with this but i'm 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 gonna throw it out there since we're in uh conspiracy phaser land I will tell you, Jason, that part of me hopes that Spock only shows up in the very last episode of the season. Uh, I know that's not going to happen, uh, no. but I just think that would be funny. It if, would be uh, hilarious if they, they just uh, keep looking for him no, and they, then he's he, finally there. Yeah, or or he appears and they have the big cliffhanger that he's finally ready, almost almost ready to speak. And then when that episode airs, uh, the the promo says we're going to take like six weeks off and then we'll come back with the rest <laughs> of the season and everybody or, will scream. There's the the cliffhanger. Spock's about to say something, and then the next episode is. Ooh, I bet what you're really wondering is what's going on with the, with Klingons? the Klingons. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and there's a little screen that go, go, comes up and says like uh, eight weeks earlier. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're we're bad people. Anyway, we are bad people. Next week we will find out. Uh, we will mm-hmm. find out more next week. Now we should warn our uh, dear listeners. Yes. Next week's episode will uh, probably not be the classic Thursday night episode that you are, uh, you're used to hearing from us right afterward. Um, we both have some travel next week, so that's probably going to get delayed a few days. Uh, we will be back, but it will not be an instant reaction kind of episode. It'll be, it'll be you know, two or three days late. But uh, that's right. We, we, will, we will be back. But uh, if you're wondering where we are next week... We're not going to tell you where we are, but we won't be here. <laughs> that's right. You don't deserve to know where we will be. Just no. know we won't be here. Yeah, that's right. You, know, you might deserve it, but you know, drink some tea. It'll be fine. <laughs>